Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast Weekly Preview Edition. I am your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and I am once again joined by the always great Kate Majuk to help you all get in and then ready for the fantasy football playoffs. So, Kate, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. We've got my Steelers on Thursday Night Football, which should be the worst game of all time. Uh, you know, it's it's nice. They've given us kind of a, an easy matchup. We don't have much to talk about for Thursday Night Football, so we could breeze on through that and then on into the Sunday slate just to put me out of my misery. But we're good. We're ready. We are going to help our listeners clinch that playoff spot if they haven't done so yet. Don't give up, my friends. Even if you haven't been eliminated, that means it doesn't matter what kind of crazy things you need to happen to clinch that playoff spot. It's still a possibility. So do not give up. And we are here to help you out. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, so yeah, looking forward to getting into it here. And we're, we're going to go game by game as we usually do. We're going to hit on those key players and matchups throughout. Um, again, we'll have the timestamps in the episode description so people could find the games they're looking for as well. If you're not interested in, say, Steelers, Patriots, for example. Um, and then uh, we'll, we only have two by teams on a bye week this week, Arizona and Washington. So 15 games to go through. Uh, so we're going to get into it here in just a second. But I do want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor fabric by Gerber life. Um, as a parent, you've had to learn so many new skills to provide for your family, how to do copious amounts of laundry, meal plan for even the pickiest eater, and now how to protect your family's financial future. Fabric by Gerber Life makes, uh, provides an easy one-stop shop for your family's financial needs, offering high-quality term life insurance policies plus other financial solutions in one easy online hub. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies to fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you it's all online and on your schedule you could go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required join the thousands of parents who trust fabric to protect their family apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com fantasy that's meetfabric.com fantasy m-e-e-t fabric.com fantasy policies issued by western southern life assurance company not available in certain states prices subject to underwriting and health questions all right kate you alluded to it earlier this is our Thursday night football game this week. Uh, whether we like it or not, uh, it is the New England Patriots at your Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I will let you get us started with this one. Where do you want to go first? Oof. Um, I, I guess we could talk about the Patriots because there's not much to talk about, right? Like we yeah. look at Bailey Zappi. That's a big no. Um, you look at Ramadre Stevenson. He's out in this game with an ankle injury. So Zeke Elliott's getting the start but this has been a much improved overall rushing defense for the Pittsburgh Steelers since the return of Cam Hayward. So like maybe a volume play there, but again, not a ton of upside. There's not going to be a ton of points scored in this game. I I don't know. Is there anybody on the, like a, literally a, a single player that you are willing to get the, the start in a season long fantasy league? Because Everybody kind of feels like dart throws. And despite the fact that they've been hurting it at wide receiver, we still haven't seen a ton of involvement from the tight ends. Even I think yeah. this is kind of a dud. 
it's a complete dud. And um, yeah, I, I'm avoiding pretty much everybody. Zeke Elliott, like you said, a volume-based play. So like, I think there's potential for him to at least see, you know, the clear majority of the backfield work and and even, you know, as a receiver with, with Ramondre Stevenson out. So that helps make him like a really low-end RB2 probably in, in most lineups. Um, but it's again, it's another one that you're just not excited about, right? Like you said, it's it's not the best matchup. It's it's not gonna be a great game for both offenses. So you're really just hoping and praying for the volume there. And yeah, I think Zeke Elliott's probably the only one um that I'm interested in. Unfortunately, Demario Douglas still out with that concussion, or else maybe he would have been a play, but eh. even then it's hard with Bailey Zappi at quarterback and considering the state of this offense. So yeah, I, that covers the Patriots. That was nice, quick, and easy. So, so easy. Uh, yeah. Um, how about your your Pittsburgh Steelers here? Because again, they they've been an interesting team. Again, I mean, the the running backs as always. They love the attention. They love us talking about them here. So we did see. Um, uh, Najee Harris play more snaps and, and get more carries uh, last week, even though that wasn't necessarily the case the week before that. So um, what are you expecting from the, the Steelers running backs in uh, week 14 now? I'm expecting some, some heavy utilization here from Jalen Warren. Now we have Najee Harris, who is questionable into this game. Uh, looks like he's going to play Thursday night, but just a warning to the listeners uh, back to back uh missed practices for Ezekiel Elliott with a knee injury or with, uh, sorry, for Najee Harris with a knee injury, which is a brand new injury. So Mm -hmm. kind of concerned to have this new injury pop up on a short week. I think we can probably expect a lot of usage from Jalen Warren. We've kind of already started to see that shift, um, you know, in, in recent weeks favoring more toward Jalen Warren, but I think even more so in this game now, I think if Najee probably him, even though this is uh, really not a fantastic matchup, the Patriots are pretty solid against the run. But again, I think if you have to start any of the backs, you're kind of just going for volume and you're going to keep your fingers crossed that either, you know, Najee, you know, finds his way into the end zone or Jalen Warren breaks off a, a nice 30 yard run. And that's kind of what you're expecting. Now, I, I think you're starting both of these running backs just for the workload, but again, tempering expectations because not only, you know, is this just a, a bad matchup in general, the Steelers also have two offensive linemen questionable for this game, including uh, their center, Mason Cole, and left guard, Isaac Salamalu, who's the best run blocker the Pittsburgh Steelers have. So it could be ugly sledding all around. <laughs> and Maybe that means we have to pivot towards the pass because I don't know how efficient the Steelers are going to be pounding the rock uh, despite their recent success. <laughs> Temperature check, Mitch Trubisky, like, <laughs> could he actually be good for this passing attack? And does Mitch Trubisky's presence under center make you any more willing to start George Pickens or Deontay Johnson? Uh, it doesn't make me more uh willing to start them i guess like i'm still You're not chasing them no definitely not like it's it, i mean like new england for as bad we could kind of talk about this on their on the idp preview last night too as for as bad as their offense has been their defense has been okay like it, they don't have a lot of stars there but bill belichick's like man heavy defense has kind of found a way to still do a decent job at, you know, limiting production from like, especially quarterbacks. I mean, for fantasy purposes, but like it's, it hasn't been terrible. Basically it hasn't been 
nearly as bad as the offense. So that was that's where my concern kind of comes in with like a Mitchell Trubisky and Deontay Johnson and and, and George Pickens. Like I still like I like I don't hate Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. I, I should say this week. Like I think that they've you know the the matchup against a man heavy defense actually kind of favors them they've both been really good um against man coverage this year um v- compared to zones so like you know they they've seen higher um target rates uh versus man coverage they both got much better receiving grades against man coverage better yards per route run um across the board versus zone they're they're mostly top 15 top 20 in those regards um against man coverage so that part of it I like and and I have a you know, it gives me reason to start Deontay Johnson and George Pickens, but it's not necessarily because of Mitchell Trubisky. And that's where the hesitation comes in, right? Is like, how good is Trubisky going to be against the Patriots? What's this offense going to look like? It already hasn't been amazing by any means. So also Thursday night, it's just bound to be a low scoring game, right? Last week was the outlier for sure. So um, it's just, I don't know. I, I like probably more in that wide receiver three range for, for both guys for me at best. Yeah, this these guys are, are I think all kind of in the flex territory. You're not really expecting top 24 performances from anybody, which means we could probably move on to Sunday. Put me out of my misery, John. I <laughs> cannot talk about these stinky offenses anymore. We literally are heading into Sunday or heading into Thursday night football with uh, the lowest projected over under in like 15 years. So like if you at all put any stock in in point total projections like this is not a matchup to target for fantasy yeah spoiler it's, alert. <laughs> it's uh yeah it's not going to be good i probably will not be tuning in until uh probably at least the second half there is a, a more important hockey game on tonight than that so um <laughs> we'll move us to the houston texans at the new york jets and I mean, I guess we can start with the Jets side of things. So again, another offense that um, not necessarily a, a great offense here. And we saw the uh, Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon experience last week. That did not pan out for anybody. So Zach Wilson back at the helm here. Um, I mean, we're obviously not starting Zach Wilson. It seems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was reports that, he, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of don't blame him. Like, why would you want to play at this point? Like, uh, anyways, but yeah, their their offense has been a, a complete mess all year, and it's just getting messier because they also gave Dalvin Cook a higher percentage of carries this past week, which they had talked about coming into the week. So it's like it's one of those things like why why are you doing this? Um, and it it doesn't do anything for Dalvin Cook purposes, but it, all it does is limit the opportunity for for Brees Hall, right? And and that's the main thing that we're concerned about. He was getting seventy five to eighty percent of the carries, and that dropped to just above 50% this past week. So that that's just hurting his ceiling and his potential. Um, so Brees Hall falls to like, again, that kind of low end RB2 range, basically, especially considering the state of the offense. So I don't know. That's how I feel about it. Do, do you have any other different uh, preferences for, for Brees Hall or, or um, Garrett Wilson even? No, I, I think like this Houston Texans defense, like not, not, the easiest uh greatest pushover matchup anymore you look at their their run defense at this point will anderson's starting to come on a little bit you have uh the texans who are just limiting uh, opposing running backs 3.4 yards per carry that's the second fewest yards per carry in the league so far this season um you know the the saving grace you've kind of had is is like touchdowns right and yeah 
is this an offense, uh, this Jets offense led by Zach Wilson and, you know, whatever mishmash at quarterback and running back they're going to have this week? Uh, am I going to bet on them to spend a lot of time in the end zone? Probably not. So I, I think that you're you're kind of just baking, banking on one of these like breakaway runs, hopefully for Brees Hall, maybe a little bit involvement as a receiver. Other than that, like you do start Garrett Wilson because he's Garrett Wilson, but still wide receiver two, wide receiver three territory. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. And yeah, I, he's at least seen more targets with with Zach Wilson. Yeah, it it's just it's been brutal. Like they they haven't been high quality targets all year. Still somehow an upgrade from Tim Boyle and, and Trevor Simeon, but it's still it's not enough for for Garrett Wilson to be like a must start option here, which is unfortunate compared to what we were thinking of him coming into the year. So on the Texan side of things, um, Kate, I, I know you wrote in your um, the the rushing report this week about Damian Pierce and and Devin Singletary's usage this past week. So um, we did see closer to a split. It had been previously like very Devin Singletary heavy this offense. So how are you feeling about the the Houston Texans um, running back situation at this point after seeing what it was last week? I'm kind of trying to avoid this backfield in general if I have the luxury to do it. Now, it, like I I looked at Damian Pierce's usage in his return, uh, you know, played 18% of offensive snaps, but that, you know, shifted slightly, just ever so slightly in work week 13, but he did start to get the carries. He had 14 total carries on the day. Singletary had just eight. Um, Pierce saw the work in the red zone, saw the only goal line carry. So it looks like maybe this is back to Pierce's job. But the weird thing is like, it, I mean, you look at all the metrics and I love Damian Pierce, but it, he is very inefficient this season. He's averaging just three yards per carry. Uh, he's been stuffed on 40, uh, 46.2% of rush attempts in 13, uh, in week 13. That is the highest rate of any running back with 10 or more carries on the week. Um, just he's, he hasn't been efficient. So I look at the Texans who I think are a very smart organization and I think they've got to look at the production and want to get single Terry more touches when he got volume, he was productive. I, I don't know. I, this, this backfield is not a good feeling for me. The Jets, not a, a pushover matchup at running back either. So again, it, with the the mishmash of, you know, Pierce getting the touches, Singletary getting the snaps, it, it's it's a lot to, to chase down points in this type of matchup where I don't think there's going to be uh, a whole ton of room to run. And this might be kind of like one of these tougher defensive matchups, especially with the Texans on the road, could be a, a nasty environment on the road. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm 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 avoiding the group um, as well, and it just sucks. Like if we were still seeing like the 80 percent of snaps for Devin Singletary, obviously would feel a little bit better about it. But this isn't the week to kind of mess with this stuff. As the Texans kind of look like they're they're shifting the their backfield usage a little bit. It's just one to kind of sit, stay away from, and avoid um, this week if you can. Like you said, um, I know not everybody can afford to necessarily, but. I mean, if you have to start one, it, for me, it's probably Damian Pierce, just like you said, because of the the goal line work and and you know him getting a little bit more of the carries there. But ah, you're not going to feel great about it for sure, especially against the Jets here. Um, 
other than that, I mean, their wide receivers, uh, Tank Dell, obviously, that that was a big blow here to fantasy managers, done for the year. So Nico Collins, still a starter, obviously, even though it's not a great matchup going against the Jets um, this week. But there's going to be room for, for another wide receiver to emerge here um, for fantasy purposes. It might not be this week. Um, so Noah Brown, I, I'm not starting this week. I, I don't know how you feel about him, but um, it's pretty much just Nico Collins for me as far as wide receivers go for the for the Texans. How about you? Yeah, you don't love this matchup. You know, obviously, DJ Reed, Sauce Gardner, best cornerback duo in the league right now. Not a matchup you're chasing, but I mean, Nico Collins, man, like I so much respect to Nico Collins. He has played at a truly elite level that you can't sit at this point. Like there is no, no upside in sitting him whatsoever. You look at the, the way he's produced, he is producing as an elite wide receiver one, um, you know, ranks top five in pretty much every metric you can, you could think of in terms of an efficiency standpoint, you start. Nico Collins. Now, the one thing I'll say, I'm really not looking to start CJ Stroud in this outing. I think this is kind of a trap game on the road. We've seen some pretty significant road splits from, uh, you know, CJ Stroud throughout this season. So far, he's thrown just four total touchdowns on the road over five games this year. Um, You've seen, you know, almost two fewer yards per pass attempt from CJ Stroud on the road this year. Um, just a 2% touchdown rate, like across the board, we've seen this upside is significantly limited for CJ Stroud on the road. So pair that with the fact that this is a, a pretty suffocating secondary. I want no part of it. Yeah, that's a good call for sure. And then it probably affects their their tight ends as well. Like we, we talked a little bit about the tight ends last week because um, uh, Dalton Schultz was questionable going into the week. He didn't end up playing. Um, and, and you had talked about Brevin Jordan being a nice uh, option here. And he was, he was a solid option. Three catches for 64 yards. He looked good. Dalton Schultz limited on Wednesday with that hamstring injury. So not sure if he's going to play or not. Um It'll be interesting to see what the usage is because Jordan looked good. I'll be interested to see if they they limit Schultz a little bit if he does play. Um, Jordan typically hasn't been a factor when Dalton Schultz is in the lineup. He's I don't think he's never he's ever ran more than twenty one percent of the routes. I think it was prior to the Dalton Schultz injury. So um, that's at least something to to kind of keep an eye on. I don't know that I'd be starting uh, either guy this week against uh, the Jets. No, uh, just across the board. Again, these are some, there are some great, uh, you know, defensive matchups that the league Mm -hmm. has paired up for us, but this is not good news for fantasy managers. No, it is definitely not. Um, all right, let's go to the LA Rams at the Baltimore Ravens now. And, uh, where do you want to start with this game? Let's start with the Rams. So I, I think it's time that we have a conversation about, Cooper cup or continuing that conversation because fantasy managers might be feeling like kind of good after last week. Like here's the thing. He didn't hurt you as much as he has in previous weeks, six catches, 39 receiving yards and a touchdown. I need to know at this point, what is your temperature check on Cooper cup heading into week 14? Um, and like, has he officially lost his must-start tag? This week, I would think for sure. I, I don't love him against the Ravens this week. Um, he's like probably fringe wide receiver two, wide receiver three for me this week. So he's not oh. really that must-start, right? And 
I, I wrote about him in the the man zone coverage report um, a, as well. And Baltimore, definitely one of those more man heavy defenses um, in the league. And they've been very good at it. So both Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup have struggled against man coverage, um, even though Nakua, he had a nice game last week against the Browns, but he did that against their their zone defense. Which was, so just to kind of keep in mind there, there's, there's obviously potential that um, they could still do things. But Cooper Cup, it, he's earned a 31% target rate versus man coverage, but he ranks tied for 70th among wide receivers in fantasy points per route run. He has a 60.5 receiving grade, uh, which is 83rd. And he has a 0.91 yards per route run figure, which is 89th among wide receivers, all against man coverage. So despite the target rate, he's just not been able to do anything with it. And that is like, beyond inefficient at, at that point. So it's pretty concerning. And even when Puka Nakua was out of the game last week, like he still didn't really blow up. Like he did get the touchdown for us, like you said. So that kind of saved his week, but I'm yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm concerned about, about Cooper cup right now. Ugh, I, it makes me sad to say, but I, I mean, another, another tough matchup. I think this could be a yet another ugly game. Um, Puka Nakua, meanwhile, I think he's, you know, a fine play. I'd prefer Puka at this point over Cooper mm-hmm. Cup, um, just for the upside there. But again, not loving the matchup here. This Ravens defense has been absolutely suffocating um, in terms of EPA per play. I, like every metric you can think of now, it, we've seen, you know, Matthew Stafford come out and be productive in some pretty challenging matchups. Is there any chance you're starting Matthew Stafford in this game in week 14? Just given mm-hmm. given some of the tough mm-hmm. matchups we have around the league, like can you uh, – it's a no for me. Just yeah, it's, I, I think it's a no for me as well. Okay. And uh, Yeah, I, I just – I feel better about Stafford, like matchups that I, I – like really favorable matchups is where I've liked him. It's just that that start to the year was enough to kind of concern me about Stafford. I know he's been much better as of late, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think so. I, I don't think okay. actually Nate wrote about him in, in start sit as well. And he put him as a sit um, mentioning that no quarterback has thrown three plus passing touchdowns against the Ravens. Only two have thrown for two scores and both signal callers needed 45 dropbacks to get there, which is a mark that Stafford has only reached twice this season. So yeah, I, he's also down on on Matthew Stafford this week, so I think we all are pretty much across the board. So maybe it's just the Kyron Williams week. Uh, Matthew Stafford or Geno Smith? Oh God, um, <laughs> that's close. I want to see how low we're gonna go here. Yeah, I don't like Geno Smith either this week, but I think I probably. Oh God! I, do I have to go, Gino? I, I guess I'd have to go, Gino. Okay, um, Matthew Stafford or Gardner Minshew. These might be the type of quarterbacks that our listeners are deciding between, if they've been <laughs> streaming and if they've been relying on Matthew Stafford. I, I like Minshew. I, I think I would go Minshew. I think it's a much better matchup for him, and he's been a solid fantasy quarterback too. You heard it here first, folks. Um, <laughs> Gino and. Uh, Gardner Minshew over Matthew Stafford this week. Yeah, I think so, unfortunately. But uh, sorry to say I'm, it. I'll be I'll be happy to be wrong about that one if if Stafford does well, because I do like him as a quarterback, but yeah, just don't really don't like the matchup this week against the Ravens for for any of the receiving options, and that that hurts Stafford as well. So um anybody else on the Rams for you? 
no Kyron Williams or bust Kyron baby Williams, sure yeah Kyron Williams has been excellent um yeah I think 94 percent of snaps last week that's that's the kind of usage we love to see um yes <laughs> so on the Raven side of things speaking of usage that we like to see Keaton Mitchell is coming out of the bye week now and I feel like we're expecting him to kind of continue his increase in snaps right so he's been on this really nice upward trend where he's played more snaps each and every week. He, he's had a higher route participation percentage every single week as well. We've seen Gus Edwards and Justice Hill usage kind of go down in recent weeks as well, even though Gus Edwards still getting that goal line work. So I'm feeling better about Keaton Mitchell as a potential starter. Maybe not this week um, until we, we know for sure that that usage has gone up, but I think there's at least a chance that he kind of sees around that 60% of snaps range and then, and starts to get better um, carry rates and, and, and target rates as well. So how are you feeling about this Ravens backfield? All right. Looking at the Ravens backfield, I like, I think week 12 was a little bit insightful, right? You had Keith Mitchell. He got his first career start. Like you mentioned, he's been seeing this increase in snap percentage uh, participation. He's also subsequently been seeing a decrease each week, in his special teams participation, which I think is uh, kind of, you know, this christening for a guy who's really starting to earn his, his way into the offense. I think if you're going to start one of these guys, it's got to be Keaton Mitchell, Gus Edwards. It really seems like this team has, you know, despite all of the touchdowns he scored over the past month and a half, uh, it does seem like the team's kind of navigating away and you know what, like coming out of a bye. I feel like this is kind of the, uh, you know, that's the the team's week to kind of initiate some changes and, and implement some bigger changes in the offense. That might be uh, this kind of turnkey moment for Keaton Mitchell coming out of the bye to really kind of take on a, a workhorse type role. But I do think this is one of the more volatile backfields in the league. But again, if you got to pick a guy, I think it's Keaton Mitchell or bust for me. Yep, I'm with you 100%. I think that I think that makes perfect sense, especially coming out of the bye there that we see more work for him. Um, other than that, we got the wide receivers. We we feel I feel okay about Zay Flowers. I I, I don't mind um, Zay Flowers this week. Not like in love with them by any means, but anybody else for receiving options for you for the Ravens like. Isaiah likely I know didn't have that that huge game and he you know it's it's been only the one game without Mark Andrews basically this year where I think people were expecting him to have that you know 20 to 25 percent target rate that he saw last year um when when Mark Andrews was out that hasn't been the case here but doesn't necessarily mean that it won't happen it's only been one game and it's a pretty good matchup here against the Rams so um how do you feel about Isaiah likely this week I think fine play, but I will say there are, I I think plenty of other kind of stream worthy options that that might be um, a little bit more fruitful. See my, my issue with uh, putting too much stock in this Ravens, uh, you know, passing offense in general has been their tendency to run up the score and then, they're they're either pulling their starters or they're playing some really conservative football and that has I think sometimes limited their overall passing offense which has been kind of brutal for fantasy managers because you're kind of navigating that tumultuous part of the offense even though you know the talent's there so 
you know, I, I think if you have another option, I'd prefer someone over Isaiah Likely just, you know, on the, this idea that, you know, game script can really start to to shift these offenses in either direction, but you could do worse. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm with you, right? That that that's a that's a really good point about the Ravens offense right now. And they have, they've been so good that it makes it uh, you know, that there's at least the potential it's like the Dallas offense, right? That we've seen them pull their starters um as well. And that that was kind of hurting Tony Pollard earlier in the year as well. But this Ravens team has been very, very good this year. There's always that potential there as well. So um I think that's it for this game. Let's move to uh, the Indianapolis Colts at the Cincinnati Bengals. And let's start with the Bengals because last week we saw Jake Browning um, on Monday night to have a pretty solid game. And I think that was a relief to a lot of fantasy managers that Jamar Chase's um, fantasy value isn't dead yet. Uh, so that was really nice to see. We could comfortably start Jamar Chase again. Um, how about the rest of this Bengals offense? How are you feeling about guys like T Higgins, who really just hasn't done much um, so far this season? Are you, you thinking that we could potentially see T Higgins be a bit better this week, another week removed from the injury. Just given the the lack of production from T Higgins when he's been on the field, I, I'm, I'm kind of okay sitting T Higgins until yeah. like, show me something. I need to see something. I need to see any signs of life from T Higgins. Um, and you know, like to that point, I mean, even when he's been on the field, he has helped you or he has hurt you more often than he has helped you this season. So that's kind of like my, my barometer for yeah. whether or not I can sit this, this player with high upside, what's the payoff. And I mean, T Higgins, the, the payoff has not been great. So I I'm fine sitting T Higgins. Um, you know, I, I think you're starting Joe Mixon and that you're starting Joe Mixon, you're starting, um, you know, Jamar chase and yeah. And uh, you're looking at T Higgins and he is a guy who has finished, uh, let's see since week one wide receiver one Oh nine week two wide receiver four wide receiver, 82 wide receiver, 81 wide receiver, 78 wide receiver, 37. Like this guy has absolutely killed you. And you on any of these weeks could have found more production on the waiver wire. Um, no, yeah, you're finding more production probably from Giants and Patriots wide receivers. <laughs> compared yes, to which T. is terrifying. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I have no problem sitting T. Higgins this week. I am sitting T. Higgins this week in multiple leagues, and I don't feel bad about it. If he does go off and he has a good game, that that's fine. I, I'm fine waiting for that production, but I'm not putting him in and waiting for that production um, for him to put up one of those, yeah, wide receiver 80-something games uh, on the week. It's just not worth it at this point in the season. So, yeah, without Joe Burrow week. at quarterback too, right? Yeah, it's just, it's it's so risky to put him in at this point. So, avoiding T. Higgins, Um yeah, other than that, I mean, Tanner Hudson's been fine, but I, this is really more like a streamer tight end. I don't think I'm, I'm starting Tanner Hudson either. So um, Nick did, Nick Botterford wrote up um, Jake Browning too as a, as his QB streamer of the week as well. So um, shout out to Nick. I think uh, Jake Browning could be one of those um, potential uh, streaming quarterbacks this week. I, I might even, you know, play Jake Browning over Matthew Stafford this week. So there's that. Um, 
All right. On the Indianapolis Colts side of things, um, we quickly talked about Gardner Minshew. I do still like him this week. Um, the Bengals are giving up the six most fantasy points per game to the quarterback position. Gardner Minshew, Michael Pittman have been an amazing combo. Um, since week eight, only Tyreek Hill and CD Lamb have a higher target rate than Michael Pittman's uh, 32% target rate. So he's been just elite and I have no problem obviously leaving him locked into my wide receiver one spot um, if I have him. But other than that, Zach Moss also, we just talked about the glorious usage for Kyron Williams. Zach Moss played 94% of snaps last week, handled 91% of the rush attempts, 68% route participation, all the goal line snaps. Yes, please. More of that, Zach Moss. More of that, Zach Moss. And it, we're just going to hope that, you know, it it results in a little bit more production this week. But, uh, you know, it, it felt like every time Zach Moss touched the ball, you were like this close to maybe <laughs> getting fantasy points and it just didn't come to fruition. But hopefully some of that luck will turn around the Cincinnati Bengals. They, you know, fine matchup against opposing running backs um, should be, you know, like a, a top five performer in term in terms of total touches, I think on the week fairly easily uh, barring in, any injury, uh, knock on wood, but yes, you are all over Zach Moss. Um, you know, another, uh, you know, probably a four bus start at every point this year. Um, you know, the Bengals are allowing a, a ton of explosive passing plays. Uh, now, I do think from, you know, like from the the angle of upside in against these Cincinnati Bengals, one other wide receiver, it, it feels like there's always one, right? Like last week it was Alec Pierce before it's been Josh Downs. Do you trust any of these secondary receiving options up against the Bengals outside of Michael Pittman? And that could include tight ends. Could include tight ends. Yeah, I just I, I don't trust the Colts tight ends. It, that That's like a, a roulette wheel of who's going <laughs> to have the good week. So I, I try to stay away from their tight ends as much as possible. But if I do have to trust a Colts wide receiver, I think I trust I still trust Josh Downs more than more than I trust um, Alec Pierce. I know Alec Pierce had the nice week and all, but. Downs has just been more consistent um, the, throughout the season, and and he's been nicely involved there as the, their primary slot receiver. I know he's going up against Mike Hilton this week, who is one of the better slot corners um, in, in the NFL. But I think, you know, as far as targets go, Minshew does still target um, Josh Downs at a pretty high rate. It wasn't so much last week, but prior to that had been over 20 to 25% uh, in each of the past, like five or six weeks. So um, that that's where I do like Josh Downs and I probably would still trust him in deeper leagues. I, I should say. I think that's fair. Nice. Um, all right. Let's go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Atlanta Falcons. Um, where do you want to start with this game? Ooh, uh, let's start. Let's start with the Falcons, right? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, is it the same old Falcons? Uh, like, what are we what are we doing with the Atlanta Falcons? Because, you know, they're the most frustrating offense in the league still. Um, you have Bijan Robinson, who's a must start every week, not the best matchup to opposing running backs. Uh, but this should be a really good matchup for the receivers. So, 
You look at Tampa Bay, their secondary has just been demolished with injuries this year, allowing the fifth most fantasy points per game to opposing wide receivers, 15th most fantasy points per game to tight ends. Uh, Kyle Pitts, I'm going to lump him in with the wide receiver group uh, for that favorable matchup. But Kyle Pitts, Drake London, can you start them in this matchup? I, I think like if you can't start them against the Bucs, this is probably this is probably the last time you're going to be able to start them all season because it it should be a good one. They're at home in a dome. Yeah, I think I, I London. Oh God, it's so dependent on who else I have as an option there because the offense, the passing offense, is absolutely brutal. Like that's why he had ended up with one catch for for eight yards or whatever it was last week on like five targets. Right? It's not even like he's getting a ton of targets um, there, but. I would rather have Drake London, I guess, than Kyle Pitts. If I have to put one in like a flex spot or something like that, I, oh God, it, it's such a brutal passing offense. It makes me frustrated to think about. Um, but I guess like as a flex, Drake London, it, it would be, would be an option for me, but not inside of that top 24. Or so I probably have him outside of that range. Um, unfortunately is, as good as he is, it's just, it, it, it's not his fault. It's just Desmond Ritter and company. And plus this being like more run heavy team as well. Like I just, there's the opportunity there is limited. Uh, and, and that's, that's where he, I, he just falls down the board for me. Yeah. I, I think that's very fair. Definitely depends on, on your other options, I think available. And again, this should be a fruitful matchup. We have seen, um, you know, Drake London, you know, he's he's just he's good um the the biggest barrier to that has just been the quarterback play uh which that kind of frustration is where we're at I mean you know I will say you know the last week um had five targets one reception eight receiving yards so brutal they were on the road against the New York Jets which a matchup we already talked about absolutely daunting for wide receivers uh, daunting for quarterbacks, uh, regardless of the talent level. Um, and so of course I, I think this, the overall ceiling for Drake London and the overall floor, um, you know, probably a little bit better than most weeks in this matchup, but I don't know, three of, of his, uh, or sorry, four of his top five receiving yard games have come at home this season. I don't know. that's nice yeah no that's nice i'm with you (laughs) i mean i i'm just trying to like talk i i do have to start drake london in a couple spots and i'm trying to talk myself into it i mean last week uh i think was the first time was it the first time desmond ritter ever threw a touchdown on the road am i totally making that i actually don't know if it was i'm pretty sure (laughs) that to my cole pruitt pretty sure that was his first road touchdown ever um which, you know, again, just kind of shows you this team has been more productive at home. Um, I, I'm fine. I think he's going to finish in my rankings probably somewhere around wide receiver 20 to 24. Okay. Okay. I, I think it's fair. And like you said, it, it's a better matchup this week for sure than it was against the Jets, obviously. It's just, yeah, I, I just have such little faith in this passing offense right now. But um, there's definitely going to be leagues where where I have to start Drake London. And yeah, I, I'm, 
I don't know, not excited about it. But um, like you said, I, I do appreciate you highlighting some of the optimistic points so I could feel maybe a little bit better about it. So uh, heading into the week. So I do like Again, that. You're not going to want to watch the game, folks. You're not going to no, want to watch no. the game. No, not watching this one. Um, <laughs> about on the Tampa Bay side of things, uh, it's a tougher matchup for the running backs and the wide receivers this week. The the Bucks uh, defense has been solid in that regard. So um, I still like this for for Rashad White. He, he's just had some of the best usage uh, among running backs so far this season. So fine starting him, despite the the Falcons giving up the second fewest um, fantasy points per game to the running back position. Um, on the wide receiver side of things, how do you, so Mike Evans obviously is a start. How do you feel about like Chris Godwin as a potential? So would you rather start Chris Godwin or, or Drake London? Maybe. Um, I think I'm leaning Drake London. I mean, at yeah. this point in the, the season, both have had kind of a, a relatively similar ceiling and floor. Um, but Drake London's ceiling might just be like that that much higher from a touchdown yeah. perspective, which seems crazy to say. <laughs> um, but I, I think that's kind of where we're at. I, Chris Godwin, I'm, uh, I, I was expecting a much better year for him. I'll say than, than what we've seen so far. Um, you know, it, it just hasn't necessarily clicked with him and Baker Mayfield and, you know, who is clicking with Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans, and mm -hmm. it's, it's very palpable, um, and Rashad white ha being as heavily involved as a receiver as he has been, he's seeing the kind of volume. I thought Chris Godwin might see, you know, I, I thought, <laughs> uh, we might get another 120 to 140 target season for Chris Godwin. It doesn't seem like that's going to be the case this year, but, um, you know, I, I don't think there's a, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think there's as much upside there as, as we would like to believe mm -hmm. yeah, it's there's not a really, great matchup. No, it's not. And you're right. There's, there's just not been the upside with Chris Godwin this year. And he's dealing with, uh, with an injury right now. I think it's his neck. Um, so he hasn't played like a true, like full-time role. Um, he's been coming off the field a little bit more. Didn't have a catch last week either. So eh, not interested uh, in Chris Godwin. I'm with you. I would rather start Drake London. Um, if, if those are the options there too. Um, anything else from this game? No, no, let's <laughs> let's go to uh, the Detroit Lions at the Chicago Bears, um, man. Uh, let's start with let's start with Chicago. Um, they got some interesting stuff here at running back going on. Right. So uh, they're coming out of a bye week. Um, but in week 12, before their bye, Roshan Johnson kind of dominated the playing time. Right. And that was with Khalil Herbert in the lineup and with Deontay Foreman uh, inactive. So Deontay Foreman no longer on the injury report. I think there's a chance that we could see a timeshare again here with this Bears backfield um, and potentially Roshan going back to that maybe third down slash passing down role. Um I mean, there's obviously the chance that somebody could be a healthy scratch. We've seen them do that before as well, which in which case we'd probably like maybe a Roshan Johnson a bit more as long as he's not the one being scratched. But um, how do you feel about this Bears backfield uh, heading into this week? Because as of it's as the way it stands right now, it's it's a group to avoid for me. It definitely a, a group to avoid. I think if you can afford to, um, you look at just their usage heading into the buy. Um, you know, my biggest takeaway was definitely the fact that, I mean, Roshan in comparison uh, to Khalil Herbert in some of these like critical situations, um, 
Roshan Johnson was the guy, you know, mm-hmm. he, he was on the field for third downs. He kind of just took over the backfield, um, you know, after all of that, that kind of heavy workload for Khalil Herbert in his first game back from IR, he just kind of took a back seat and, you know, it, none of these running backs were super efficient uh, the last time they were on, on this field. But, you know, I, I think all in all, you know, when you're trying to come up with some of the, the upside plays here, Roshan Johnson probably has the biggest role in the receiving game. So like I tend to lean a little bit more in their favor in Johnson's favor. But again, this is one of those backfields that, I don't necessarily know that there are a ton of telltale signs at this point, giving us an idea of what to expect before these games and what their game plan for these backs might be. Cause all of them, you know, pretty, pretty darn good when they get a, a significant workload, this could just be a, a nasty three headed monster. Yeah, that's that's kind of the way that I'm I'm thinking it's going to end up this week. As long as again one of those guys doesn't get get scratched um, before the game when the inact inactives are announced. So trying to avoid it where I can, like you said, if I have to start with someone, it is probably Roshan Johnson. But um, other than that, for the Bears' offense, I mean Justin Fields, Cole Komet, DJ Moore, feel fine about those guys. Anybody else stand out for you for Chicago um, as potential starters? No, I, no, I, yeah. No, <laughs> God, this is just John. This is uh, the situations. Uh, uh, this is just such an ugly week for fantasy, and it's so unfortunate because yeah, this is such an important week. I feel like this might end up being one of the lowest scoring fantasy weeks we've seen all year. I'm it's I'm calling it now. It's definitely possible. It's feeling this way. When I was going through all the the game by game matchups and and doing the notes, I was like, "There's nobody that I love this week." Like there's there's a couple that I feel good about and and starting like and they're just the usual guys that I, we're, we've been starting. So we'll try to find a few more. But like you said, it's gonna be a stressful week. I think as far as um you know fantasy managers have to what they have to deal with this week, and we're all feeling it. We're all feeling it here in week fourteen. So um. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out uh, on the lion side of things. Um, I guess maybe running backs we could talk about. Um, you you had talked about uh, the the lions running backs in in the the rushing report this past week, and um, David Montgomery handling the uh, very like the the headline the lions share of the work at running ah. back. Uh, <laughs> Um, so what, what do you, what are you expecting here for, um, David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs this week? I mean, you're starting both of these running backs every single week. Now this is, you know, not a great matchup. The Chicago bears have been, you know, pretty kind of stingy to opposing runners in terms of efficiency. Um, uh, but you're starting both of these running backs, uh, you know, from a, standpoint of explosive playmaking ability obviously Jameer Gibbs has the edge there but I mean David Montgomery he cannot be stopped in the red zone and he gets those valuable touches there last week uh he had Jameer Gibbs get them right down into the goal line and boom David Montgomery yeah. comes in snipes the rushing <laughs> touchdown um just like their usage pattern is kind of clear but you know Jameer Gibbs obviously like more involved in these valuable touch areas than he was maybe like before uh, Montgomery's injury, but still it, it, that little timeshare there, I think does 
somewhat limit Jameer Gibbs's upside. So I, I think you have to take that with a grain of salt. But again, upside so great you can't sit either of them in in any matchup at this point. But you know, on the road against the Bears, especially like we've seen the the Lions kind of struggle on the road. I don't. This could be an ugly game, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if they kind of channel this all through the run in this outing, as long as Chicago lets them. Yeah, I'm with you. I feel pretty good about starting these guys. I know we saw, you know, a more favorable game script for for Detroit um, th- this past week compared to when they were trailing Green Bay in, in week 12 as well, right? So these closer games, and I, I think Chicago could give them a bit of a harder time so that, you know, could keep both of the running backs involved, right? Where if they're not trailing by a large margin, it won't just be Jameer Gibbs. But um, yeah, I, I'm definitely with you. Starting both guys um, feels right to me. And uh, yeah, Matthew, and Jared Goff, fine quarterback option against Chicago. He's been uh, very good this year. And that means Amon Ross St. Brown, obviously a starter. Sam Laporta is a starter. Is there anybody else you're considering for the Detroit Lions um, offense? No, I, the, the one name that's kind of coming into mind, uh, like Jamison Williams um, have, kind of seen him you know uh, emerge a little bit more had a a you know a touch or a you know a, a couple of touchdowns this season I you know had a rushing touchdown I don't think you can like bank on his involvement he's never seen more than two touches in a game but you know just wanted to throw that out there because he did have the touchdown last week so like yeah you might have some fantasy managers say like, you know, well, he's had a, a touchdown in, in two of the last three games. I think it's a little bit too volatile to trust. Um, and that's unfortunate. Lots of talent there, but hasn't necessarily come to fruition in any sort of consistent way that I think you can really trust from a, a fantasy perspective. Yeah, as much as he's had those explosive plays and everything, like you said, he had the fun touchdown last week where he dove into the end zone and everything like that. But it's just they haven't seemed to fully embrace him as that wide receiver, mm-hmm. too, right? Like they were kind of ramping up his workload for, for a few weeks, and it's just kind of plateaued here around that 60% range over the past few weeks. And like you said, the touches just aren't there for him. So uh, yeah, it becomes a riskier play for sure. And really more just, again, like super deep leagues uh, and we only got two teams on by this week as well. So it leaves you with a little bit more options um, and you don't have to start Jamison Williams. I would hope. Um, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> I, I did have to start him last week with the six teams on by in a deeper league. And luckily he scored that touchdown, but um, it wasn't like it was an amazing game by any means. Um, let's go to the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Cleveland Browns here. And uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, was back at practice today so i don't know if he's gonna play that it's definitely it seems unlikely um especially when you saw the injury last week it it looked pretty bad and he limped his way two trainers carrying him to the locker room (laughs) it's crazy and yeah apparently, apparently he said like he's not um he or he waved off the card or something like that, which I, I don't understand. I mean, that felt like it, maybe it was a decent sign that he was okay, but it took forever for him to get to that locker room. So I don't know. I, I doubt he plays this week is, is, I guess, my concern here. And going against the Cleveland Browns, if he's not 100% or if he's not playing, there's not many Jaguars options. I feel very comfortable starting, and that includes Calvin Ridley and, and Evan Ingram. I, 
I'm fine starting Travis Etienne, but even then I have like lower expectations, right? He's not like a locked in RB one for me necessarily. So um, how about you? What's your, your read on this Jacksonville offense, assuming it's under CJ Beathard this week? Absolutely terrified to start Calvin Ridley. Um, I think he could be a, a really big trap this week. Um, you know, just with the knowledge that that Christian Kirk is is out for this game, I know people might get excited about the volume, but I mean, you look at CJ Beathard, uh, third lowest uh, accuracy rate in week 13 and that limited role he played, um, you know, the Browns are a very good defense. Uh, you know, we talked about the Jets, like the, the Browns are right there with them in terms of their coverage. Um, no way you're going to be able to trust, I think, C.J. Beathard's pass attack. The only player that kind of has me a little bit curious is Evan Ingram finally scored his first touchdown of the, the season last year or last week. Um, and I think, you know, generally speaking, sometimes when we see these, these quarterbacks come in, they'll take some of those relatively safer, you know, matchups for the tight end position, uh, just targeting like the biggest body on the field. And, you know, I think from a volume perspective, we might see a little bit, uh, you know, from Evan Ingram, but again, like this matchup, just not great for any position to be overly efficient, which at that point, you really just have to count on volume and, and you have to count on the fact that Beathard's going to be able to d deliver the targets accurately. And I'm not sure you can count on either of those things. Yeah. And the Browns who were without Denzel Ward last week as well. So that also helped um, Puka Nakua Cooper cup in that situation. Denzel Ward is expected back this week. So that makes it a little bit tougher them getting their, their top corner back. And then, yeah, Evan Ingram, I guess he's on the fringe of starting for me in like one tight end leagues, right? Where it, I guess just the concern, like you said, it, it's the toughest matchup as far as fantasy points per game goes um, to tight ends. And then thinking about CJ Beathard at quarterback, thinking about that Browns pass rush and, and everything like that. I wanted to look at, you know, what's Evan Ingram's target rate look like on pressure dropbacks. It drops to 8.6% target rate, um, which is 49th out of 67 Um tight ends this year when he's usually been a top 10 um, tight end in target rate uh, in with a 21.4% on just neutral dropbacks, overall dropbacks. So when there's pressure on the play there, they haven't really gone to him. And I know that's been with Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. So it just at least has me concerned here against the Browns elite defensive line. The Jaguars at O-line has been about average. And like you said, concerned about Calvin Ridley for sure. He's had three games of hundred yards or, or more this year but he's also had seven games of 40 yards or fewer this year. So super volatile. And this is not the matchup. I don't think to for, for Calvin Ridley to have one of those big games. So yeah, avoiding them across the board and Travis Etienne, probably the one that I feel most comfortable with. Yeah. I I'm with you there. All right. Let's go to the Carolina Panthers at the new Orleans saints. Um, anywhere in particular, you want to start with these two teams? No, let, let's roll the dice. Where do you want to go? Uh, let's go with, um, let's start with the Carolina Panthers and so you talk about their running backs a little bit. Um, and again, I know you, you talked about them in, in the rushing report as, uh, as well. And it, it was, it was interesting, right? Because I think we talked about it last week, or I talked about it somewhere on one of the million pods that I did um, before the games last <laughs> week, but like the, the usage between Chuba Hubbard 
and uh, Miles Sanders didn't really change much from weeks 12 to 13. It was just more the the amount of times that they ran the ball with Sanders on the field was much higher versus when Hubbard was on the field in week 12, right? So those numbers went back to to more expected numbers in week 13, where Chuba Hubbard, who's had the the, the playing time and he's had the usage, we saw him get back to that that workhorse role like you you highlighted. So I, I thought that was a, a nice job kind of highlighting that stuff. But yeah, I I. I feel pretty good about Chuba Hubbard. Um, you know, another week removed here with, with, from Frank Reich and, and Miles Sanders not being heavily involved either that first week there. So I think there's potential for, for Chuba Hubbard to remain in starting lineups this week. I know it's not an amazing matchup against the saints, but, um, I, I like Chuba Hubbard. I think he's been, he's been solid this year for the most part. How, how you feel about them? I'm, I'm excited about Chuba Hubbard back-to-back weeks with a rushing touchdown here. Um, you look at the rushing defense too, like for the the Saints, they've actually kind of let up a little bit in terms of um, their like suffocating run defense, right? Like it, since week nine, uh, they rank second highest in terms of explosive run percentage allowed. Hmm. Um, they've they've been beatable. They they're giving up yards after contact per attempt. They're 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 not as bad as they used to be. So. I think there there could be a little bit of room to grow here. Uh, you know, again in that span, uh, have allowed the the fifth most rushing yards, um, the fourth highest rush yards per attempt, allowing uh, opposing rushers five yards per attempt in that span. Like we're starting to see this defense wear down a little bit, so I think this could be an interesting spot. I love the fact that you shouted out one week further out from Frank Reich as though he's like an illness that this offense is recovering from, (laughs) which he kind of is. Um, But like, I think that's the most telling thing, right? Is like the, the shift in that volume towards the run, Um, you know, seeing Chuba Hubbard get a a career high 25 carries uh, in the first game with this new coaching staff, I think is, just a, a really telltale sign that they're they're leaning toward Hubbard. Like this isn't yeah. they 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 didn't even take the opportunity to to give Miles Sanders all that much run to to earn his spot back. Right. Like they seem pretty sold on on Hubbard. I think he's a great play moving forward. I love the potential for volume. Um, you know, the the yeah, I I don't mind. I don't mind. Yeah. 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 I like him. And, and yeah, probably not the best wording um, for me for one week removed from uh, Frank. No, I think it's perfect. I think the wording was just fine. <laughs> I just wanted to highlight it because it yeah. was chef's kiss. <laughs> uh, all right. How about their, their passing offense here? Because I mean, Bryce Young, it hasn't been great this year, obviously not a lot of yardage um, there for, for the first overall pick. And we've seen, it affect Adam Thielen as of late, right? And and I know this was another one that you wrote about in the um, panic or antic uh, uh, column this week. Adam Thielen coming off a week with just 25 receiving yards. We've seen Jonathan Mingo lead the team in receiving yards in each of the past two weeks. So where are you at with uh, Mr. Thielen here who started off so hot? Started off super, super, super hot. It weeks one through eight was the overall wide receiver eight. Like, he was the king of volume and you know, like he's sort of seen a, a small drop in his target share with the emergence of Jonathan Mingo. Obviously he's a rookie, you know, not going to start off necessarily like red hot. Um, 
also we're seeing a, a drop and decrease of like catchable targets for Adam Thielen, which I think is largely symptomatic of the offense in its entirety. I think this team is going to continue to, to try and emphasize that run as much as possible. Um, take some pressure off of your rookie quarterback, establish the run, get in rhythm there and, and supplement that where you need to with the pass. I'm not looking to, to put all my trust in, in Adam Thielen. I think they're going to be a, a, you know, I, I think they need to be a more conservative passing offense at this point and try to take as much off of Bryce Young's plate as possible because the game it feels like every week we're going on, it seems like it's getting faster for him and not slower. And they've got to put that cycle to an end. Yeah, they really do. It's It's been rough and, and kind of feel bad for, for Bryce Young and just being kind of thrown into the fire here. Not a lot of great options uh, and not a great offense. But I guess like if I have to start a Carolina wide receiver, I still, I'm still starting Adam Thielen, but he's not like a, a must start. He's not a complete fade for me. He's he's just somebody that I, I'm putting in out of desperation or if I have to kind of thing. Because he has at least done his best work against man coverage this year. The Saints are still one of those more man heavy teams. And he's still, you know, among the best wide receivers in the league against man coverage this season. Um, I know it hasn't felt that way recently, but it should face a lot more man this week if they start to, you know, take it easy. Like you said, on Bryce Young, give him a little bit more opportunity to breathe. Um, we might see a little bit more of those catchable targets, hopefully for, for Adam Thielen and uh, less so of the, um, the disaster that has been the offense as of late, but um, I think anybody else for, for this game or should we keep moving? Let's keep rolling. Let's do it. Um, all right. Let's let you know that this podcast is brought to you by prize picks. Prize picks is a skill-based real money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You pick two to six players. If they will go more or less than their prize picks projection, you could win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Um, Kate, do you have any prize picks props for us that you like this week? All right. This week, uh, this is going to be a, a Thursday night pick. So hopefully you're listening uh, before Thursday night football, but I really want to shout out, and this is going to be a line to watch, I think, moving forward with Mitch Trubisky. Allen Robinson's receiving total for week 14, sitting at 11 and a half receiving yards, which, you know, you look at Allen Robinson, not been productive this season with Kenny Pickett. But I want to shout out the fact that Mitch Trubisky is literally, or Allen Robinson, literally the most targeted receiver Mitch Trubisky has ever had throughout his career. No wide receiver or any player of any position has seen more targets from Mitch Trubisky in his career than Allen Robinson has. Don't forget about their their years back to the Bears. Um, in one half last week, they they hit this total uh, 19 receiving yards um, in some limited play with these two together. I think we might see this connection uh, continue to to boil over. How about you? What are are, are you rolling? I like that. Wait. I like that. Um, uh, yeah, it only takes one catch for that one to happen. So I, I like that. Um, I'm always happy with those. But yeah, I think, I mean, I talked about it, uh, my my JSN under, we've talked about that a few times, didn't have any IDP props on the preview episode last night, but we do get, we did get them up uh, tonight. And so it is another Thursday night one I wanted to put out there. And that is Alex Highsmith 
over 0.25 sacks. Um, he has had, uh, he had 14 and a half sacks last year. Obviously he's regressed a little bit in that regard, but he's got a career high 83.2 pass rush grade. That's 11th among edge defenders, 16.7% win rate, 13.2% pressure rate, all career high numbers for him going up against the Patriots who are the sixth worst pass blocking unit in the league. He is facing Trent Brown, but Bailey Zappi at quarterback. The Steelers also stunt and blitz at an above average weight rate, which also allows them to create pressure and sacks at an above average rate as well. Just needs a half sack from a guy, Alex Highsmith. So I am rolling with that one this week um, as my, my bonus. I love uh, I Alex Highsmith. Yeah. Yeah. He's been, he's been excellent this year. I know people um, might think that he hasn't been as good as he was last year because of the sack numbers, but you look at all the other pass rush metrics for him and he's been much better this season. So with the basketball season here, you can also now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players for from different sports for uh, or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at 10 and a half combo of three points made plus receptions. Go to prizepicks.com slash PFF fantasy. Use code PFF fantasy for first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash PFF fantasy and use code PFF fantasy for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, Kate, let's keep it going here. And we are going to go to the Seattle Seahawks at the San Francisco 49ers for the second time in three weeks now. Um, so we just saw these two teams face off on Thanksgiving night in week 12. Um, let's start with the Seattle Seahawks because we talked a little bit about Geno Smith. This isn't a great matchup for him. Um, so he's probably outside that top 12 to 15 quarterback range, at least for the way I'm looking at it. I don't know how you're feeling about it, but more importantly, the running backs, Kenneth Walker, Zach Charbonnet, both players did not practice on Wednesday dealing with injuries. This already isn't a great matchup for, for opposing running backs. The, the 49ers given up the third fewest um, fantasy points per game to the position. So if any of these guys playing are playing, do you trust them? And if they aren't playing, are you willing to put in like a DJ Dallas, for example? No, no, and no. <laughs> uh, I I appreciate you asking. We've got to talk about the backfield. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think just in general, this is probably one of the biggest traps you might fall into in week 14 if you're in need of like a, a flex play at running back. Um, I, I know DJ Dallas might be a tempting option here because it's not very often that you get to, um, you know, find a, a emergency play that might touch the ball 15 times, especially at the running back position. So, but all things considered, this has been a, a terrible matchup for running backs, uh, you know, especially since the addition of chase young, since young played his first game with the team in week 10, after being traded, the, the, 49ers have had the fourth lowest EPA per carry allowed among NFL defenses, six highest defensive success rate against the run. Um, not a single running back has exceeded 50 rushing yards in that span, despite the fact that they've played guys like Travis Etienne, DeAndre Swift, Rashad White, like all three of those running backs have combined for just over 23 fantasy points in that span. Um, like, not a good matchup. And I, I do think that if you're targeting this matchup, you're probably just doing this from a, a volume perspective. Yes. Uh, you know, there is going to be a running back that touches the ball in this game, but 
it's not going to be an efficient matchup. Uh, at least that's what the stats would tell us at this point. And I, I think you've got to be very weary at throwing any of these guys in your lineups, especially with the, the, the matchup, the, the injuries, even if one of them are healthy, it's just, it's a big flop of disaster for me. <laughs> it's a flop of disaster. Yeah. It, it really, yeah. I'm not, trusting anybody i mean like you said even if a kenneth walker or a zach sharpenny does play there's not necessarily going to be at full health here and in just a really really tough matchup going against the 49ers so i'm with you uh not interested in those guys unless you're you're desperate but at the wide receiver position i think we're fine starting dk metcalf you know we talked about him last week about how we didn't love the matchup but you still kind of have to play him because the volume and the the potential for production is there. And he ends up going with for, for three touchdowns. So really exceeded uh, expectations that week. But um, how about the, the other guys outside of DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I feel like they're probably more in that, that flex range this week going against the um, against the 49ers, but um, any particular interest in, in either of those guys? Uh, you know, I, I think I'm kind of coming on a little bit to Jackson Smith and Jigba. Mm -hmm. Like he is watching the game and not necessarily like translating to, to huge numbers in the box mm -hmm. score, right? You look at, at last week, seven receptions, 62 receiving yards, um, very nearly would have come down with the touchdown, like just barely um, against the Dallas Cowboys. It, that was a season high 11 targets for uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, it really starts to feel like we are seeing the shift um, in terms of like a focal point of the offense between Jack Jackson Smith and Jigba and Tyler Lockett. So, you know, for me, I'm going to rank them DK Metcalf, Smith and Jigba, and then Lockett nice. last, but not least, um, you know, I, I think if you're going to attack this matchup against the the 49ers, you know, you're going to try to probably you're going to probably need to do it through the air. Um, you know, again, not necessarily a high upside matchup, but I really like what we've seen from Smith and Jigba over the past few weeks in terms of just looking like he's stepping into a more significant role for this team. Nice. Yeah, he's he's actually looked really, really good, like you said. And I think even Nick um, highlighted him in the wide receiver cornerback matchups to, to target and avoid. He's lining up against uh, Diamador Lenora this week, so has an advantage there. Um, and yeah, could potentially be one of those um, nice deeper plays there. And I don't mind starting him over Tyler Lockett if I have to pick between the two. So I'm with you. Um, a really easy offense to kind of go over here, the, the San Francisco 49ers. We're starting Christian McCaffrey. We're starting mm -hmm. Debo Samuel. We're starting Brandon, yep. Brandon Ayuk. We're starting George Kittle. Um, probably even starting Brand, uh, Brock Purdy, right, at, at quarterback in, in most leagues. I know in week 12 versus Seattle, he didn't have a, a great game, but he's been really good lately. Since their week nine bye week, weeks, so week 10 to 13, he's QB2 in fantasy behind only Dak Prescott. So um, has put up some pretty big performances. I feel like, you know, he's on the, the fringe of starting most likely this week against Seattle. Just because of that last game, there might be some hesitancy there, but they're back at home this week. He's got all the weapons. I, I feel fine starting Brock Purdy if I have to. Yeah, I, this offense, one of the more straightforward offenses that we could possibly ask for. Um, I, you know, I, I do think I'm starting Brock Purdy with confidence at this point, especially you mentioned them being back at home. 
Um, this is going to be, I, I think, a fine matchup for all involved. You are starting your San Francisco 49ers, period. Yeah. Nice. Very nice and easy there for sure. Um, all right. Let's go to the Minnesota Vikings at the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I guess we'll start with the running backs again, and we don't have to figure out the Raiders running back. So let's start with the Vikings running backs because Alexander Madison and Ty Chandler are the, the options here. Chandler not working in a ton um, where it looks like he's necessarily going to take over for Madison um, at least this week necessarily, but he's still playing enough to limit Madison's touches, which I think for a player who has been so inefficient, um, there can't be too much excitement to plug Alexander Madison into lineups outside of leagues where just having a starting running back is good enough. Um, so I, it's a good matchup on paper for running backs, but I, I just, I'm not interested in, in Alexander Madison as a starter this week, if, if I can afford to. No, um, big no for me and like you know heading into that that last game we've really seemed like we were about to turn a corner with Ty Chandler I already mentioned this you know with in regards to the running back situation with the Ravens sometimes the bye week can be the perfect time to make these changes in the offense that you had wanted to previously but you know didn't necessarily have the the gumption and the gall to to do so in the middle of like game planning for the next opponent like sometimes this is when we see these shifts and just given their play uh, on the field given the lack of efficiency from you know Alexander Mattis and I think generally speaking it it would be probably pretty smart of them to um lean in favor of Ty Chandler and this yeah I, despite the fact you know they they should be this should be a good matchup i think which is what the most frustrating part is so yeah despite the good matchup i'm i'm kind of out on these running backs but you know who i do think will run all over these las vegas raiders josh, josh Dobbs. <laughs> yeah let's talk about josh Dobbs because i think he might be the most underrated quarterback uh, heading into this week and honestly moving forward, he's got a great schedule coming up. Um, if he's on your, your waiver wire and you've been streaming the position, I think you've got to grab him. Um, he's like a, a must play at this point. I've, I've highlighted him on my article uh, coming out tomorrow for uh, some high upside plays. Um, you know, you look at the weaponry, you're going to have Justin Jefferson returning in this game. So now he's going to be throwing to Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson. He's already got, you know, the the safe floor in the run game, 40 or more rushing yards in seven of 12 games this year. Has had a rushing touchdown in five of the last six. Like, I love this matchup for him. The the Raiders' greatest point of, uh, you know, uh, weakness here has been giving up these explosive runs. And, you know, if if things go awry, we know Josh Dobbs has the legs to get it done. I'm with you. And I, I know like, again, you know, the, the recency bias of fantasy football, people are going to look at that Monday night football game in week 12 and be like, Oh, Josh Dobbs sucks. And, you know, I'm not putting him into lineups and whatever it was four interceptions or something like that. But you look at what he did prior to that with the Vikings being thrown into the fire right away as a starter, not having any time with the team, really. He had at least a rushing touchdown in every single one of those games um, before week 12. He, he threw at least a passing touchdown in, in every one of those games as well. 
And now again, like you said, coming out of the team's bye week here, where he's had another week to practice with the team, get acclimated in the offense and get Justin Jefferson back. Um, I'm with you. I, I really like Josh Dobbs this week for sure. Yeah. You're also, uh, you know, you're starting Justin Jefferson, you're starting yeah. Jordan. Like again, the Vikings kind of a, a simple team, but the one guy I really don't think you should be overthinking at this point is Josh Dobbs, my favorite sleeper quarterback of the week. Nice. Yeah. I know there was talks about them maybe going to, uh, who was it? Nick Mullins or, or something like that, which no. I didn't understand. You no. got to give the, the Dobbs another chance. You can't just go away from him after that one game. And and I think he's, I think he'll be able to bounce back nicely here in week 14. Um, let's look at the Raiders quickly. Um, we still got AOC at quarterback there and it hasn't been great for Jacoby Myers. Obviously it's been fine. I guess maybe for De- Devonte Adams where you, you, you feel fine starting him, but not at like the locked in wide receiver one that he once was. So um, I mean, yeah, Jacoby Myers is just really more of a flex for me. I'm not really starting Michael Mayer this week. I'm starting Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs. So how much more is there to figure out with this Raiders offense, you think? I mean, that's kind of it. I do think, yeah. you know, Jacoby Myers still remains in that flex consideration for me. You love yeah. to see him get the touchdown last week. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think from a an upside perspective, like he might not have the highest ceiling, but you know, we've, we've talked about some really ugly matchups so far this week. I do think you could do worse than Jacoby Myers overall. Um, But again, I think anytime you're, you're trusting this Raiders pass attack, you, you know, there are peaks and you know, there are going to be much, much lower valleys. So you've got to take your lumps and, and, you know all that all that good stuff but uh, you don't love the matchup at least it's indoors right like that's true yeah and that's really why like he just he stays in that flex area for me this week and and the good thing too like the vikings again one more of those zone heavy teams a top 10 zone team and jacoby myers has been better against zone coverage this year 0.43 fantasy points per outrun against zone which is tied for 19th at the position um he's also had a better target rate against zone coverage 22 percent compared to man um, which was just 17 percent so Solid, solid numbers there. So if you do have to put um, Jacoby Myers into a lineup, I don't think it's the it's the worst thing. You just got to hope for um, some positives out of uh, Aiden O'Connell at quarterback. Um, all right, let's go to the Los Angeles Chargers and the Denver Broncos. Um, I kind of want to start with the Chargers offense because it's a pretty easy one to figure out, but. Austin Eckler to me has been really, really, I mean, not just to me, I'm sure to a lot of fantasy managers, he's been super, super frustrating. So the Broncos are giving up the most fantasy points per game to the running back position, but I I'm still, I'm not overly excited about Austin Eckler this week, right? This has been by far his worst season across the board, right? 3.5 yards per carry. He's got just four rushing touchdowns this year. 2.63 yards after contact per attempt is a, is a career worst for him. 1.34 yards per route run, career worst. Far and away the worst elusive rating he's ever had for us, a 38.5. He's never been below 57.9 in his career, so he's ranks 46th out of 61 running backs in elusive rating. 
We even saw more Josh Kelly last week. He played, I think, 43% of the snaps. Eckler just the 57%. So that was the lowest for him since week one where he got injured in that game. So I'm concerned about Austin Eckler. Like, I'm starting him this week because it's against the Broncos, because he's Austin Eckler. If his name wasn't Austin Eckler, I, I, there's a chance that I'm probably benching this, this kind of player um, for most leagues if I got better options. Oof, we are just three weeks out from a three-week stretch where Austin Eckler was a top five running back. How yeah. quickly we forget. But I'm, I'm I actually, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at, you know, you and I'm I'm looking at the situation and I have to say like very, all very fair. And, you know, like just in general, um, last year wasn't the most efficient season for, you know, Austin Eckler, but was able to kind of piecemeal it together for fantasy because of that touchdown production. That's just something we haven't seen for him um, to the degree that we've seen in previous seasons. Now, what's really the most interesting about this conversation across the board is that we had uh, head coach Brandon Staley come out and kind of hint, uh, I, I think it was just today, uh, or it might've been yesterday. Um, I, I saw the report today. Sorry. Uh, but Austin Eckler um, basically hinting that Austin Eckler is going to start getting some competition for carries. You mentioned that increased usage of Josh Kelly. Um, exact quote, competition for carries is going to be something you can see happening. We're going to keep exploring, making adjustments so we can find the rhythm I've been talking about. And that's one way to do it. I don't. Yeah. I don't love that. We know Austin is a good running back. Staley said, we just haven't found any rhythm in the last couple of weeks in the run game. Just need to keep after it, work harder in practice. It, I'm going to say this a hundred percent. Like if Brandon Staley thinks Austin Eckler is the problem with this offense, he might be misjudging <laughs> things in general, but if, if like Brandon Staley's seat is hotter than my stove, um, you know, on a, a hot summer's Eve cooking stew, he needs to find a scapegoat. And I think at this point he, he's throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks and Austin Eckler might be a victim to that, but this, again, this is too good a matchup to sit him yeah. period. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, right? You're still putting him out there. It's just these last few weeks have been super, super frustrating and he just hasn't looked like the same player either. So to that For part, dynasty? like I, John, I will say I am, I am very much panicked, very yeah. much panicked for yeah. Austin Eckler. Like, you know, we're, we're talking redraft here, so I'm, I'm less panicked, but right. like, boy, if, if you're looking at Austin Eckler and you're wondering what to do, I think it's time to sell low because yeah. it, you mentioned all of the, the efficiency metrics are pointing to the decline of Austin Eckler. He's 28 years old. Um, you know, ranks top 15 in total touches among active running backs. Like all of those are alarming, but I, mm -hmm. I still think he's got some juice in the left, at least for 2023, at least for week 14. <laughs> I really hope you're right. I, I know like for me, I, I'm starting him. I know a lot of people obviously are going to be starting Austin Eckler across the board, right? So we need him to come through this week because he has let us down in, the, in in recent weeks here and just can't survive another week like that with Austin Eckler at running back, unfortunately. So the rest of the Chargers offense, again, they've also struggled, but I mean, we're still starting Keenan Allen and, and probably Justin Herbert in, in most leagues, but 
outside of that, there, there's nobody that I'm overly interested in. How about you? No. And like, even, you know, I feel like everybody's kind of had their lumps this year, except, you know, for, for generally speaking, except for Keenan Allen, who had uh, coming yeah. off a down week, but like, like Justin Herbert, even, I, I think, you know, I, I highlighted this in panic or antic column. This has been kind of a, an up and down year. Justin Herbert's been relatively safe, but you look at, you know, these games that he doesn't perform to his highest and they're all kind of predictable games. So I don't want to call Justin Herbert a, uh, you know, a, a matchup dependent quarterback, but when you're looking at his overall ceiling and you're trying to predict his, his floor games, matchups have been kind of right on point for him. Like he's, he's really, really good in plus matchups and he's not as good in, in bad matchups, which like that's the quarterback position, but it turns out even the most talented of quarterbacks aren't necessarily immune to mm -hmm. that. Yeah, no, for sure. He's another one that, uh, yeah, I've been starting and, and rolling him out there because again, he's, he's Justin Herbert and we've seen him, you know, play well, even with, you know, bad injuries and then lack of receiving options and, um, the Brandon Staley offense, but, um, yeah, this is a nice matchup for him. I feel fine starting him this week. Um, how about on the Broncos side of things? Um, anybody that you want to start with, uh, for Denver's offense? Mm, uh, should we talk about Cortland Sutton, uh, sure. Mr. Touchdown himself? Like, uh, <laughs> you know, we've seen a, a lot of production here from Cortland Sutton. It hasn't necessarily translated to, um, a ton of fantasy points. Like he's been, you know, I think a, a very reliable wide receiver two this season. Is he a locked and loaded wide receiver two every week, regardless of matchup, regardless of anything based on his touchdown production? Because like, okay, so, you know, halfway through the season, you're looking at Cortland Sutton, you're like, boy, he's scoring a lot of touchdowns. And then, you know, right around, I don't know, like week nine, you're like, can't really get this right and then he keeps doing it now yeah. we're here entering week 14 for touchdown in all the games he really likes Cortland Sutton and even like a, a yardage standpoint um fewer than 50 receiving yards in just five total games this year even in those matchups though he's had a, a receiving touchdown uh, in four of those five games where he didn't manage 50 receiving yards. So like you're looking at Cortland Sutton, you're like, okay, the floor might be a lot safer than a lot of wide receivers out there. And I'm starting to maybe just think I need to bite the bullet and accept the fact that Cortland Sutton is, is a good start for fantasy most weeks. Yeah, I, I think he's, I mean, he's their wide receiver one, right? He has established himself that that connection with Russell Wilson. Wilson's looking for him. He's getting him the ball and he's made some really nice passes and some really nice catches to get some of those touchdowns. So, I mean, he's highlighted that talent as well. So really like to see that from Cortland Sutton and I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm leaving him locked into that, that wide receiver two spot for the most part, pretty much regardless of matchups at this point. Um, so Outside of him, I, I feel fine starting Javante Williams and and even Russell Wilson, um, who, who's been a lot better as of late, as, as surprising as as that has been after last year. But he's been good, and and this Broncos team has been a lot better as well. But 
Jerry Judy is the one that I just, I, I don't think I can trust in, in starting lineups anymore. I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel great about ever having to put him in there. And it just feels like this is a Cortland Sutton offense at this point, like a one wide receiver type offense that um, there, there's not enough necessarily to go around to, to trust um, Jerry Judy. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I, I don't want to touch Jerry Judy with a 10-foot pole. Now, like you look at Russell Wilson, his production has been like pretty steady at the quarterback position. He's been like a, a QB 10 to QB like 13. It feels like every every game this season, except for like maybe mm -hmm. two. Um, but Cortland Sutton is clearly the focal point of that offense. And I mean, what upside has Jerry Judy offered you this season? Mm -hmm. I mean, he hasn't finished ahead of wide receiver 29 yet this season. Yeah. Not once. Yeah. Yeah, he's he, he's just not he's just not doing anything. So Josh Reynolds time. has outscored him so far this season. So <laughs> yeah, Kendrick Bourne, time. Kendrick Bourne, who tore his ACL uh oh. five weeks ago, has scored more fantasy points this season than Jerry Judy. I rest yes. my case. That's don't insane. even think about it. Yeah, yeah. Stay away from Jerry Judy. And uh yeah, we can probably move on from uh Denver. And let's talk about the Buffalo Bills at the Kansas City Chiefs. Should be a good one here, Kate. Um, we know what we're looking at here for the Kansas City offense for the most part. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, Isaiah Pacheco. Rashi Rice has established himself now a little bit more consistency at Travis Kelsey as well. But it's been nice to see Rashi Rice have that consistency now in, in, in recent weeks and in as far as usage goes. And I know he's been, you know, one of those guys that's been dominant against zone coverages this year and hasn't been as good against man, but he's even starting to climb up the leaderboard now in fantasy points per route run against man coverages. Um, he's ranked, I think, tied for 18th in fantasy points per route run against man. So just doing everything, checking all the boxes, uh, our guy Rashi Rice. So those are the main guys that I'm starting for Kansas city, but um, anything else for the, the chiefs offense for you? The only thing I want to note. So uh, we have Isaiah Pacheco. He's dealing with a shoulder injury. So okay. uh, I believe he missed Thursday's practice already officially. So that's two missed practices. Um, you also have Jarek McKinnon who's missed the last, uh, I think two weeks with a groin injury. Here's the question. Like if he's active, you're starting Isaiah Pacheco. No question. If both of these running backs are inactive, what is your chance of, of starting Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Because you look at the matchup against the Bills, it should be a relatively high-scoring game, giving up the 13th most fantasy points per game to opposing running backs. That's been fine. But like all in all, this has been a really favorable matchup for opposing running backs in terms of like explosive runs given up. Um their their rushing defense, you know, I think the number of injuries they've had on defense this year has really started to impact their ability to cover the run. And I do think, okay, bold take, bold take for the week. If Isaiah Pacheco is out, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a top 24 running back this week. Is that bold enough? Should I get Top bold? 24? Is it like McKinnon's out as well or? Even if McKinnon's active, I'll say top oh. 24 running back. This week, okay, if Isaiah bold. Pacheco is out. And I, I again, I, I think this there could be plenty of points to be scored in this game. We've seen Isaiah, uh, you know, Isaiah Pacheco be a, an absolute force. But if he's unavailable, I do think it's Clyde Edwards-Alaire who's going to take up 
the majority of the carries, uh, even though, of course, McKinnon kind of has stake on a lot of that work as a receiver. Right. I don't know. I feel like it could be like the the juiciest play of the week um, that nobody would ever want to play. Well, there you go. I, I, I don't mind it. I know it is spicy for sure. But I mean, I think you're right. Like we've seen them use Clyde Edwards Alaire around the goal line. Not not a ton, but he's had his opportunities there. So it's not like they've completely avoided him in those situations. We've seen, you know, obviously Jarek McKinnon dealing with the injury. I think he was limited on Wednesday. So the DNP for, for Pacheco on Thursday is, is definitely not a good sign. So we may get this Clyde Edwards Alaire option and he could be one of those sneaky like emergency plays, like you 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 say and like you write about um for, for Friday's piece. He could be one of those guys that that emerges here as a potential starter. And like you said, the Chiefs offense, they get into position to score. There's gonna be opportunity there, and that's really what we're looking for. Yeah, I, uh, I think right on point there. Nice. All right. Let's go to the Buffalo Bills now and another group. Um, I mean, obviously, Josh Allen's a starter. Stefan Diggs is a starter. How about the tight ends? Because uh, Dawson Knox did return to practice this week. I don't know that he's necessarily going to play. If he does, do you still feel OK about starting uh, Dalton Kincaid um, in this offense? I don't know that Dawson Knox is necessarily going to play his full time role in the first week back. Is, is So I'm I'm OK starting with Kincaid. Are you? I think it, Kincaid's upside's just been too high. I think yeah. in general matchups, you know, like it, regardless of matchup, I think he's he's a fine play, um, week in and week out. But you know, it, I do think that just generally speaking, you looked at Dawson Knox's production the the few weeks leading up to his stint on IR. He was getting more targets than Kincaid, but the efficiency on those targets was just absolutely right. dreadful. I have to imagine coming out of a buy, uh, or, you know, like I have to not coming out of buy. come with him coming off of IR. I have to imagine that they've done some, some hard thinking, uh, on which of these tight ends might be better. Now, maybe we see a little bit of a lower ceiling for Kincaid because, you know, I think Knox has had, um, you know, a fairly stable role in the red zone, but you know, it all in all, I think, you know, you're looking at Kincaid mostly for his production as a route runner and not necessarily for mm -hmm. a lot of the blocking roles that we see Knox play historically. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think the, the cat's out of the bag here with Dalton Kincaid at this point, right? Like they've seen now what he can do as that that featured tight end role. And I think it's hard to kind of go away from that at this point, just like you said, because the efficiency has been so much better with him as a receiving option than Dawson Knox. So I'm with you. I'm fine starting Kincaid. Um, I'm probably not starting Gabe Davis this week. I feel like we've talked about um you know, the, this man's zone difference for him on this podcast before, but he just hasn't performed as well against man coverage this season. And the Chiefs are a very good defense. They're a very good man coverage team as well. They play that at a top 10 rate. Um, Gabe Davis ranks 80th among wide receivers in fantasy points per route run against man coverage. Um, he also has a 62.5 receiving grade versus man coverage, which ranks tied for 74th among wide receivers. So, this is a guy that, I, again, he's had those up and down weeks, right? Where, you know, one week he's great, one week he's not. This feels like one of those weeks where he's not. So he would be somebody that I just, I don't know that I'd be starting this week against Kansas City. I think that's fair. Um, and yeah, anybody else for the Buffalo Bills to, uh, worth talking about for you? 
No, I want to uh, shout out uh, our guy, James Cook, who yeah. continues to have like this monstrous workload after the firing of Ken Dorsey. It just feels like the the tides have turned a little bit, 20 plus touches each of the last two weeks. Like it, it just feels like he is finally getting that volume now that Ken Dorsey is out of the building. So uh, again, just every week he is a start, period. Yeah, just can we please give the guy some more goal line work? Um, I just that would be crazy. Not, yeah, that would be it would be too much, right? But yeah, he's been he's been excellent. He's been efficient. Um, I think tenth among running backs in yards per carry this year, four point eight. Um, just the one rushing touchdown, but two receiving touchdowns as well. So I think he'll still be heavily involved this week, which is nice. Um, for James Cook and definitely somebody that we can start. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles at the Dallas Cowboys Sunday night football. This is going to be at least a very good um, primetime game, I would think. So we know we're starting Dak Prescott. We're starting CeeDee Lamb, obviously. Um, Tony Pollard, we're, we're starting as well. He's had a rushing touchdown in three straight. Now he gets the Eagles, of course, who are giving up the fewest fantasy points per game to running backs. But um yeah, I feel fine starting Tony Pollard. I, I mean, maybe that touchdown streak comes to an end this week, unfortunately, because of the matchup. It, it, it is tougher, but volume and everything has been there. The targets have been there. I know he hasn't had much as far as a receiver goes. Like he had that one game with 80 receiving yards, but outside of that, not really doing a lot with his his, his receptions this year. Um 41st among running backs in yards per reception at 5.9. So, um, but you're fine starting Tony Pollard. I, I don't know why I'm, why I'm ranting about that. Um, <laughs> Cause he's given uh, us a lot to rant about this season. He has, it's been, yeah. There was, there was a drought and now, um, you know, it, we might, might not get as much as we hope for in this matchup that obviously is, is a challenging one up against this Philly defensive line, but you look at the landscape and there's not a lot of running backs you're going to trust to, to get this kind of volume on a weekend week out basis. Um, like you said, obviously we're starting Dak Prescott, CD lamb. Both of them are on fire. Um, I think the only question I have left is, you know, Brandon, or, uh, Jake Ferguson, obviously like he's, he's just continuing to cook. I, I was a little nervous about his matchup last week and he proved me wrong. Um, but the other question mark, it, it Brandon Cooks. This is a great matchup for fantasy wide receivers this year. Um, didn't do really anything at all in their first meeting. One catch, seven receiving yards. Um, but generally speaking, you know, we've seen Brandon Cooks on a, a little bit of a hot streak, a touchdown in all but two uh, of the last seven games. And again, one of those games coming against the Philadelphia Eagles, which was kind of a surprise stinker for me. The other one came against the uh, Carolina Panthers. Hasn't been the greatest matchup for wide receivers, but I think a comparable matchup is, you know, maybe what we saw from thanks uh, in the Thanksgiving game against the Washington commanders uh, cooks posted four receptions, 72 receiving yards and a score. I think that's a fairly reasonable stat line uh, that we might be able to project for cooks in this matchup. Am I getting too caught up in the fact that like this Eagles offense has given so many fantasy points to wide receivers, so many, so many yards. Like this has been a great matchup. Am I getting too cute with Brandon cooks? Do I need to come back down to earth? <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. Starting Brandon cooks. And and like you said, it's, it's a nice matchup. 
the way that Dak Prescott has been playing recently, the way this this offense has been rolling, there there's there's absolutely room there, right? It's not just C.D. Lamb. We've seen Brandon Cooks be productive. We've seen Jake Ferguson be productive. Like Dak is getting everybody involved here, and that's been really nice to see. So Cooks has been uh, uh, he's been hot lately, and I think you just continue to ride that hot hand where you've been starting him. And you know he's maybe not necessarily your wide receiver too he could be your he's more likely your flex option i think you can leave him in that flex spot and and continue to put him in those lineups going forward so um yeah i'm with you i'm with you you uh, on the philadelphia side of things pretty fairly easy one we're starting uh jalen hurts aj brown Devontae smith um, you, you had met, you had wrote about the, the panic or antic, uh, article as well about Deandre Swift, um, getting outstapped by Kenneth Gainwell, um, in week 14. So I know Deandre Swift, um, he had left late last game as well with, with potential injury, but he's not on the injury report anymore. So what are you expecting from the, the Eagles running backs here, um, this week against the Cowboys? I think you probably just got to expect that they're they're going to continue to roll with DeAndre Swift. That was kind of a an odd situation. You mm-hmm. saw Kenneth Gainwell even outsnapping DeAndre Swift just slightly before the injury. Um they never disclosed what the injury was. It was kind of weird, but uh, you know, the game was pretty much over at that point, so maybe it just didn't matter. Um and maybe they, you know, let him sit for the rest of the game there, but you look at DeAndre Swift and the upside's too great. Um, it's not the best matchup, of course, but in their first meeting earlier this year, 74 yards, 20 touches. You know, I think generally speaking, you know, the six carry game is probably an outlier for Swift. Um, and, you know, especially being left off the injury report entirely in this game mm-hmm. uh, or ahead of this game, I feel a little bit better about that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm fine starting DeAndre Swift as well. And Dallas Goddard could be back this week. I don't know that I'm necessarily starting him if he is back. I would rather just trust A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, DeAndre Swift um, in the passing game, especially against the Cowboys and it being Dallas Goddard's first game back from injury. Let's just give give him a chance um, to ramp up his workload as well. So not somebody that we have to start this week. Um, you've been surviving without him. We could survive one more week without him until uh, we see what that usage is, I think, anyways. Um, all right, let's go to one of two Monday night football games for some reason. Uh, here in week 14, we have the Green Bay Packers at the New York Giants. Um, I don't know which one of these is on uh, whatever the, the streaming services um, that we don't get in Canada that nobody could watch unless they have it. Um, maybe it's this one. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, but let's start with uh, the Green Bay Packers. Um, Aaron Jones potentially back this week. Um, That's probably the one of the bigger question marks I have for this game, because we've seen the team limit Aaron Jones's playing time coming off injury already this season. So are you comfortable starting Aaron Jones in a pretty good matchup here against the giants on Monday night? It's not a guarantee that he plays. So you, again, you're probably waiting for him to to be confirmed to play as well. So um, what, 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 how are you approaching the, the Packers running backs? Cautiously. I know this is a good matchup, you know, AJ Dillon for what it's worth, like hasn't seen a ton of uh, yardage production still has just scored a single touchdown all this season. Um, you know, despite having had this sort of lead 
lead role um, at running back with Aaron Jones out. I would be cautious rolling out Aaron Jones in this lineup, just knowing he's been banged up quite a bit this year. Mm -hmm. So we've seen him come in and out of the lineup several times in his first game. I don't know uh, that I would expect a whole ton, a, a significant snap share, but if he is back, that also really tempers my expectations for AJ Dillon, who I think, you know, his, you know, as, as little production as he's kind of perpetrated for you, like he's, he's been in some tough matchups, but it's been so dependent on some of that volume. So if he even has to split, uh, you know, another 30% of that volume, I do think that that kind of takes him out of consideration for even a flex play. So definitely keep a, a close eye on Aaron Jones and any reports coming out there because, you know, again, if both, if both are active, I don't want to play either. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I wouldn't be sh surprised if one of them had a career day against this defense, but <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't love the, the likelihood of split carries. I, you know, I think both of these guys are, are very risky and I'm not sure either of them has a, a significant enough ceiling for me to risk that in a week 14 matchup where I'm probably looking to, to clinch my playoff spot. I'm, I'm looking for a higher seating in my fantasy playoffs. Like this is do or die week. And the green Bay backfield just feels a little bit risky to, to be toying with at this point. Yep. I am with you there. I'm trying to avoid it if possible. Um, as far as their wide receivers go, Christian Watson has been really good lately. Um, he's, he's been scoring touchdowns and obviously coming off a big week um, and draws a really nice matchup here against the Giants the, who are giving up the fourth most fantasy points per game to the wide receiver position. This was another one that I highlighted in the, the wide receiver man zone coverage report. Giants are playing man coverage at the second highest rate in the league, um, and they've really just been a average man coverage defense as far as the yards allowed per coverage snap and explosive play rate allowed but christian watson has been especially effective against man coverage generating 0.63 fantasy points per route run which is 12th among wide receivers he has an 81.5 receiving grade against man coverage which is 16th um, and also has uh, an elite target rate here at 28 percent as well so Really nice matchup for him to potentially stay hot here against the Giants. And um, yeah, I, I like Christian Watson this week, which is not something I was saying in, in weeks prior. Uh, so the only yeah. concern, he did get banged up again, again, right, right. with a hamstring injury. So That's keep an right. eye on those practice reports. I haven't seen any updates for Thursday yet. Um, wasn't super surprised he sat out Wednesday, but could be uh, a name to watch. Uh Thursday, Friday, you're going to want to see him get some kind of practice. Uh, but if he's, you know, either out or limited in any fashion in this game, I want to shout out Jaden Reed is probably the best pivot at that point. Um, just, you know, in general, you mentioned you're, you're always on the zone uh, man zone coverage report. Um, Romeo Dobbs, most of his production has come against zone coverage this year, 85% of his receiving yards uh, against zone coverage minimal target share against man. So we're, we're kind of seeing, I think if you're going to pivot to one of these guys, I think it should be Jaden Reed um, who's been a little bit more efficient against man coverage this season, just given the, given the situation uh, he's had a plentiful target rate. Um, you know, this could be a, a nice bounce back spot for him after a kind of lackluster week 
13. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I skipped right over the um the questionable tag and my uh, my notes here for for Christian Watson, but it, he uh it looks like we he can did dream. not practice. We could. We could. Um he didn't practice on Thursday, so that is ah. um yeah, that might be a nail in the coffin there. So, um some wasted breath there on Christian Watson potentially, but I'm with you on Jaden Reed uh, over Romeo Dobbs here um potentially even though Romeo Dobbs has been good. Um like you said, there there has been a difference there for him against man and zone teams as well. Um, not starting the, the tight end Tucker craft. I am fine starting Jordan love. Who's been solid. Um, how about the giant side of things? Uh, this should be a pretty easy one to figure out. Um, we're starting Saquon Barkley reluctantly, but is there anybody else on the New York giants that you want to put in there? No, no, fair enough. Let's move on to the it's next. All the Monday analysis we need for that. No, it really is. Yeah, it really is. I, I don't think we try to get cute at this point in the season with uh, with the Giants. So let's talk about the other Monday night football game. It's the Tennessee Titans at the Miami Dolphins. Um, Miami's offense has been pretty straightforward as well. There's no tight ends we're talking about. So we're starting Tuatango Vailua. We're starting Tyreek Hill. We're starting Jalen Waddle. We are starting Devin Achan, who took over in week 13 with more playing time, more carries, more targets as well. But I feel like we could even still start Raheem Mostert. Um, how about you? Do you feel like Mostert still got a spot to be fantasy relevant this week? Yeah, we saw uh, I'm not I'm not nearly as hot on on Raheem Mostert in this matchup. I, you know, looking at their usage, he did get a lot of early work. Um, in week 13 and and you saw Achan get, you know, sort of more involved as the game went on. Um, but what I'm really liking about Achan especially is the the fact that in this game um saw a, a ton of volume. And I don't even care when the volume is, uh, even if it came, you know, in, in some of those garbage time situations a little bit. Um, but just in general, I, I think especially given his his injuries and you know the the kind of in and outs that we've seen for him um to come out here and see him have 20 touches in this game i think was a super yeah. encouraging sign um that there are no lingering health concerns whatsoever for achan moving forward um and i think he's a full go so if he saw 20 carries in this game i have to imagine that he's going to get to you know continue to see some of that that steady workload um you know break off uh, a couple of tackles and and you're done game over um you know not necessarily like a a gimme matchup here for the titans um but i think we could be in a fine spot uh maybe to play both but you know definitely leaning hn if i have uh both and i can only start one yeah, I think that's fair. And yeah, like if anybody's saying, you know, a lot of HN's um, touches came in a blowout or anything like that. Well, they're facing the Tennessee Titans where they are 13 point favorites here um, at home. So I think there's definitely uh, more potential there for, for uh, HN that touches. That is so it, brutal. That's just yeah, mean. I know, I know. <laughs> um, so on the Tennessee Titans side of things, again, fairly easy offense to figure out for fantasy purposes. We're starting Derrick Henry. Fine starting DeAndre Hopkins. I think Tennessee is going to have to um, try to play catch up here for the most part. So Hopkins should be involved. Um, it could mean more Tajay Spears if you're, but uh, I don't know. I'm not overly excited about that one. Maybe Derrick Henry and DeAndre Hopkins might be the only ones worth starting. How about, how do you feel about it? Yeah, very uh, 
very tough to, I think, start anybody outside of sort of the the main suspects. Now we have seen, um, you know, Spears a little bit more involved in some of mm-hmm. these like runaway games. Um, you know, maybe we see a little bit of Spears, but I don't think it's going to be anything worth actually pivoting to start in, in your fantasy leagues. I think it's kind of yeah. Derek Henry, who it notably is in the concussion protocol, but it sounds like he probably should be fine. Um, return to practice uh, earlier this week, I believe um, on Wednesday, uh, but it's Derek Henry. It's Deandre Hopkins. And even Deandre Hopkins like this Miami secondary since the return of Jalen Ramsey, they look solid. They're, they're playing uh, some really good football here. So I think DeAndre Hopkins, you're probably hoping for like a 50 yard game and a touchdown. Like that's probably what you can expect in this outing. Um, I don't think this is going to be a, a career day by any means for DeAndre Hopkins, but you'll take what you can get. Yes, I think that's a that's a good way of putting it. And um, yeah, with that, that is going to wrap up our week 14 preview episode. Um, again, thank you all so much for listening uh, or watching on the YouTube. Um, again, it, it's a very big and stressful week for a lot of fantasy football managers. So hopefully that information helped you set your lineups and get a W this week. Um, a huge thank you to Kate as well for going through it all with me. Kate, as always, really appreciate you coming on here and uh, dropping all this knowledge for the folks. So um, before you go, please let everybody know what uh, where they could find you and uh, what you have up on PFF.com this week. Yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, at Kate Majuk, it's M-A-G-D-Z-I-U-K. Or uh, you can always follow my work along uh, with PFF every week. Uh, every Tuesday, I've got the Panic or Antic column. Uh, every Wednesday, the Rushing Report. And every Friday, some high upside sleeper plays. Um, if your lineups are in a need of a little bit of spice, I've got you covered. Nice. Like it. I'm looking forward to checking that out as well. Um, and then, yeah, as for me, uh, we got the IDP fantasy report, IDP rankings, wide receiver man's own coverage report, O-line, D-line matchups to target and avoid as well, all up on the website um, by tomorrow morning. So yeah, that's it. I, I would say enjoy Steelers Patriots tonight, but uh, the odds are not in our favor. Um, <laughs> instead, Patrick Kane makes his debut with the Red Wings tonight. That's the real show to watch. And I know at least I'll be watching that. So come cheer on the wings and the best more American born hockey player to make his debut with the good guys. Other than that, good luck to everybody uh, making the fantasy playoffs out there and winning those week 14 mashup matchups. I appreciate you all. And until next time, peace out. <laughs>